welcome to Runners Radio. Today is the catch-up. I am your host, Rick Mirabello, and joining me, as always, once a month, is my good friend, the media mogul, the Twitter sensation, the man of many talents, Mick Sharkey. Hello, Rick. Richard Diego. Good morning. Mirabella. Good morning, buddy. We've just this a, is your life. We've just had a good sesh this morning. You felt good? Uh, yeah, all right. I've got a sore foot, but that's okay. He does have I many, don't know what's going on there. He has many different ailments. So I feel like Multiple. It, I feel like every week there's a new ailment, and I feel like it lasts a couple of weeks, and then it just disappears. Yeah, my ailments are varied and many, and uh, I, I must have remarkable healing powers because they... <laughs> Either that or a very low pain threshold. Not, well, probably both. <laughs> I think it's probably bit, both. I think it's a bit of both. Is there any bit of hypochondriasm around these little ailments? Is that even a word? Not really. I don't think so. It's just they're strange. I'll just notice them and think, oh, what's that? And then I'll keep going with them. And then they get worse. I think something's going on here. You are something either breaks or I stop doing something. You are moving considerably better than when I first met you seven years ago when... As a 29-year-old ex-footballer, you had the body of a 90-year-old. So at least at least we've got you to a position where you can play with your kids and run 10K for fun. Well, that cricket ball-sized bag of fluid that used to pop out the side of my knee every time There's I ran, no that doesn't there. happen anymore, no, which is good to know. Now, how have you been? You've been busy. Now, we have been fil- you have been filming mm. a very interesting doco that the listeners... Let's be honest, there's not many docos like the one you've been filming. Can you please fill us in? It's one of those ideas that seemed like a really good idea at the time, but it's probably going to prove not to be. And it, You know you hear the old stories in the 80s and the 90s when uh, parents would catch their kids smoking and they'd say, I'm going to cure you from this. You've got to sit down and smoke a whole packet, right? And then they never smoke again. So it's a, I'm living that at the moment. I I pitched an idea to Country Racing Victoria that people that go to the country races need to know where to eat. And that, you know, by virtue of the fact that I go fishing a lot around the around the state, uh, I know where a lot of good bakeries are. So myself and a mate, Sam Lyons, are f- well, this week we filmed a pilot, pardon the pun, where we drove from Melbourne to Warrnambool and stopped at a bakery at every town and consumed a pie. And he consumed a pie and a cake. So he's a large man. Uh, I thought I could eat. My God, that boy can eat. But yeah, four pies in three and a half hours probably wasn't ideal. I did hear. Now, Shark has been bragging about his pie-tasting prowess for the last seven years. Now, I'll tell you what, though. Credit where credit's due. You can ask Mick about any venue in the whole of Victoria and what this, what the, where do you go to get the best pie in that yeah. venue, that country town. You give me the country town, I'll tell you where to eat. You, I'm talking the most nil-populous towns you'll ever find. <laughs> and then he'll also tell you what they specialise in. So it might be a pepper steak, it might be a steak and onion, it might even be a little bit of a fancy pizza type This pie. is important information you need to know when you're on the road. Listen, there is some very good information here. Supporting so, local people, that's what we're doing. I also thought it would be a good... I thought it would be have a bit of humour to it, but it seems to have been his undoing because he's felt like rubbish for three oh, days yeah. since. It hasn't been good. It hasn't been good. The guts have been, uh, yeah, enough pastry and, and gravy to last me for a fortnight. This could be this could be what tips you over the edge and you may never eat another pie again, or is that blasphemy? Well, I think I may not eat one this week, 
but I think there's a fair chance I'll eat one again. But I, I've looked. We looked ahead at the calendar on the drive home, and we thought, well, if this gets the green light, how many of these do we have to do? And there are ten that we have to do. Ten episodes. Ten episodes. So potentially, if it's three pies, how that's we, thirty pies, and we'd be filming them in two weeks. Excuse my questions. How are you going to ilk out ten episodes of content about meat pies? All of the different routes to all of the different country race meetings. So oh. Sale, Bendigo, Ballarat, Kyneton, Kilmore, Echuca, Wangaratta, Shepparton, Wodonga. Wow, we. And they're confident in the viewership staying strong by the episode. Well, they're only three minute episodes, so you're, <laughs> oh, only, sorry. you're just watching two okay. large men with dad bods <laughs> eating pastry, so you're only watching it for three minutes. I'm very excited. Have we got a name for this little piece? No, we don't yet. No, it's so far untitled. Eyes on the Pies was the working title. Oh, that is corny. I that's, wanted Lord of the Pies, but that's that was very uh, corny as well. Can you oh, get yeah. something that isn't so corny? No, we thought we'd get we'd better stick with corny. We just thought that was a good angle to take. I will tell the listeners it'll be up. It'll, this this docker will be up in the next. I guess. Oh, I think so. Yeah, depending morning. on if it doesn't see the light of day, it's. We know why. If it doesn't see the light of day, we'll play it on all our socials. Yeah, we'll find a home for it. But when it does become titled, and we'll definitely make uh, commercial television on Channel 78, yes? Yes. Racing.com, Channel 78. We will um, definitely pump it up on the future episodes. I don't think Shark Shark won't be in before it's up, I don't think, because it's going to go up pre-warnable, which is mid-May. Yeah, pre-warnable. Yeah, I'll be around. Now, it might not be on air before then. Now, Shark, we've had a massive... A uh, few weeks in endurance sports since you're on. Oh, of course. I've been following it closely. I, I know. You've bad sleepless nights. I have. Now, now we've had lots of, in, in here, we've had lots of races going on locally in Melbourne, which has been fantastic. All roads for us at the moment are leading towards Great Ocean Road, which we've spoken about before. Yeah. We've got 100 guys going My debut. To, uh, yes, it's Mick Sharky's six kilometer debut. Do I have to book or do you just turn up? Uh, that one you could probably register the day before at, at Apollo Bay. Okay. Yeah, but you're probably best to register just so you get some inkling of commitment. But anyway. Must be relatively popular because there is no accommodation left in the whole place. There is no accommodation. None. It's a small town. The 23-kilometre at Apollo Bay will sell out. So all roads lead there to most of our athletes, but we are only, what have we got, 14 weeks away from Gold Coast, 27 weeks away from Melbourne Marathon, and a couple of the big majors, um, which we are, uh, what have we got, two weeks to my favourite, Boston Marathon, which we'll talk a bit about later, these cities, and three weeks from London. So if you are a connoisseur of distance running, or even if you just want to have a look at the best through their stuff, you can find them online anywhere, London and Boston Marathon, and a lot of them on Eurosport or Flow Sports, any of these type of channels. But first, the World Cross Country, which is a big, big event on every, on every couple of years, was held in Denmark. Now, you remember cross country from School Shark? I can imagine yes. you would have had a, a headache that day, no doubt. You would have said, "Oh, excuse me, Mr. PE teacher, my my head hurts, or I've got a bit of a graze on my knee. I don't think I'm going to be able to run this uh, cross country." I think I did it. I I was just shit. You just weren't. You just didn't try, or probably not. Just no ability. Oh, uh, I just don't. What are those things you just do under sufferance? I think any any cross country would, type would mental fragility be the word. Yeah, and just lack of enthusiasm. Like, oh. What's the point? There's, what do you do? You win it, and then what? Well, well you challenge yourself. Cash prize, nah. Challenge yourself, Mick. Day off school, nah. Become a better version of yourself, maybe. Surrounded by groups of willing participants, no. 
Nothing, none of that happens. So you just get the glory. We move on. The World Cross Country is definitely need any more glory one of life. the hardest events on earth. And look, let's let's be frank. The East Africans have dominated for a long, long time now. Of course. Our own. Are Benet- these the East Africans that now reside in New Zealand or somewhere like that? No, no. They all they all reside. They, oh. they all reside lo- uh, locally in East Africa. Oh. Our own Benita Willis did win Benita. the event in two thousand four. She, she's done well. She must be seventy years old. Benita Willis won the World Cross Country in 2004. Now, for us, if, in my humble opinion, that's one of the better achievements ever by an Australian athlete, right up there with the Herb Elliotts and Ron Clarks of the world, what they did in the 60s and the Dawn Frasers in the swimming pool, what Benita Willis was able to do um, in 2004 by winning this event. That's just how hard they are to win. Our own Aussies, Brett Robinson was 30th. Matt Ramsden and, and our, our, one of our favourites on this show, Harry Summers, did really well as well. Melissa Duncan ran really well, 26th overall. We're talking top fields, Paige Campbell. And Emily Bryacek followed her for the Aussies. But I tell you what, it was a Ugandan one too in the men. Now, this is how hard the course is, Shark. Yeah. 10.2K, these guys can run it in 27 minutes mid on the road. Sorry, 10K in 27 minutes. Listen, yes, 27 minutes. But on this very tough course in uh, Denmark there, Joshua Cheptegei was good enough to win in 31.40, followed by his Ugandan teammate, Jacob Kiplimo. So I won we two got for back you. that in the last at Meadows Dogs the other night. So a very good combo there, Uganda. They, they were good enough as well to take the team. So that's event. three minute Ks. Well, it's actually quite slow for these guys. I'm just, I'm just trying to emphasise how slow the course was. It was a 2K. The first 2K was all uphill. And a very popular name. Three the, minute Ks. The Kenyan champion. Some blokes that don't last three minutes. The Kenyan champion, Jeffrey Camwar. This guy's running a K. He came third and he's been around. He won the last championship two years ago. For the women, the Kenyan, Helen O'Beary, she won in 36.14. Now, she would run on the track 31 high. So she's five minutes slower than what she was on on the cross-country course. That's how hard it was. One of your favourites, Dara Dida from Ethiopia. She sung that uh, great duet with... Uh, Eminem, of course. Now, let's and bet Giddy from Ethiopia, the formal under-20 world champion of cross-country, was third. She's an up-and-comer. And don't all those three ladies, especially Giddy for mine, will be very, very strong on the road eventually. Usually, if you're strong over this kind of distance on the cross-country, because it's so physically tough, you need one of our future deep-dive guests. I've got him on. I'm interviewing him in the next 10 days. Tim Wallace. One of the best cross-country runners in Victoria and a good friend of mine. We've done a lot of running together. He's so strong on that cross-country course. And the cross-country, even if you do it in training, listeners, once or twice a month, really does parlay over to the road. What so, are they running on? What surface? Just grass, mate. Just grass. Grass, mud, ditches and fences. They've got to jump. Really? I've had many cross-country races where I've had to jump fences. and Not not in this particular event, this one. but Barbed cross- wire? Is it like absolute, tough mudder? Absolute, uh, no, tough mudder's a bit Do of Do they a, have those electrical dangly bits? No. Why don't they bring that in? It's a bit of a fad, I would imagine. But look what, at the, Would they not include something like that? They put different sports in the Olympics. Would you not put some... Oh, I believe cross-country should be in the Olympics. Absolutely. Have you watched those Japanese game shows where they have to run... You know, they get on a conveyor belt and they go underneath the little portholes and there's a bloke with a lion's paw and they think there's a lion getting him and then they put you know, just weird stuff like animal sort of feces they drop on them and things like that and they have to go underneath the conveyor belt. 
I don't speak Japanese, so I don't actually know the point. But it's good watching on SBS if you ever get the chance. No, no. Can't say I've ever seen that. But I believe on saying that, the World Cross Country should be an Olympic sport as well, I believe, every four years. Because it is genuinely tough. Um, you could have, but they could be making it tougher. That's what we're saying. You could have a ten. You could have a ten k. Like the, people are saying, the ten thousand meters on the track's dying. You could have a ten k road event, and you could have a ten k cross country. You could have the marathon, and then you can go to the track, the five thousand and down. So, that's just my opinion. But I think it'd be quite popular, and I think you'll get some bloody good athletes. Now the triathlon season's finishing up in Melbourne and in the Southern Hemisphere here, but in the Southern Hemisphere, all our field-based athletes are about to get stuck into it. Footy, netball, basketball, soccer athletes in Runners HQ have been coming through the doors in drones, droves, and I tell you what, they are ready to go. And I love this time of year where, as we sit here, three days away from the local round one, local football round one, so it's second only to finals time in September, and it's like Christmas for field sport athletes when you finally, you've done five, six months of work, and you finally get to go out in a real game for competition points and unleash what you've been working for. And it's just so, this gets the juices flowing. Sharks AFL team, his um, professional football team, the Kangaroos not doing so well, brother? Oh, I was worried before I watched us play on the weekend. And then I watched us play. And I've come to the conclusion that with six new players in the team, we just don't know how to play together yet. So I'm thinking round five or six, if we're still playing, if we're still losing games and coughing up leads, then I'll be worried. But round two... We're not going to win the premiership. We all know that. So I'm okay. We just—it's a learning year. I think Brisbane are quite good, and Brisbane got Brisbane you on, are good. Yeah. Brisbane got you on the weekend. Uh, the first game. Gee, they move the ball well. Charlie Cameron's going to kick a lot of goals. He's a very good footballer. He'll kick a lot of goals. He's out under the shadows of Eddie Betts now, and he's just yeah. going to do his own thing. Yeah. Look, the Brisbane side's good, and Chris Fagan is a coach. He's a coach's coach. He um. He is another coach that never played AFL football like the Brett Boltons. And, and look, you go to Europe and these managers and these EPL clubs, none of them have played EPL hardly. No. So we're finally going towards, we're looking for the best coaches. And yeah. Fagan is an incredible coach and yeah. he's an incredible manager of human beings. You're and that's, exactly and right. that's why he's building a culture there. And it's taken him two years because it, Brisbane was at the bottom of the barrel. So credit where credit's due there. The for big factor is going to be the 666, the the set up across the ground, uh, what do you call it, like a zone starting position sort of thing. If you have forwards that are quick off the mark, mm. you're going to beat, you're going to put some hurt on teams. And teams that don't have great defence or get injuries in defence, mm. a la Richmond losing Alex Rance, they're going to be exposed. Because as soon as that ball gets one out of the middle, it's break from your opponent. And if you can put two yards on them, you're going to get the ball or at least get a chance to get the ball. Or at least uh, create so, something. Yeah, for, for that's something right. Yeah. It's, I think it's all, really changed it. all of us purists who have loved the game since birth and, and remember the good old days, quote unquote, of the 80s, 90s and, and I guess the early 2000s, <clears throat> before the game got real tactical and, and I guess clustered, uh, we're pretty excited about the 666. And, and it does. It gives, gives you more opportunity, not just... The clearance is so crucial, for one, which is great. The clearance is so crucial because then we get opportunities like one-on-one comp, which is what you go to the footy to see. You go to the footy to see a good centre-half forward via a good centre-half back or a Charlie Cameron with a lockdown back pocket. Not Charlie Cameron with four other opposition defenders in his way because, no. they, because they've set up there. Yeah. So for you listeners that aren't in Victoria and, and um, the southern states, we – look – 
the game, the, the AFL has changed the game to try to make it a little bit more aesthetically pleasing and a little bit more what it used to be for 120 years. Just genuine one-on-one contests. And I think it's, I think they've done a great job and hopefully we see some of that. It doesn't necessarily have to translate to 150-point shootouts each, but as long as we see some contests. Yeah, that's one-on-one right. One-on-one contests. Yeah, we'll see a lot just, of them. That isn't just backline being flooded, nine, ten defenders uh, getting in the way of a, a superstar of the game, like a like a Jack Rewald and that kind yeah, of the thing. Yeah, the new rules will definitely reward pace, and particularly out of the middle and in the forward lines. Because, yeah, it, the, the days of the, the bulls in the middle just charging through and bullocking their way through, I don't think that's going to work anymore. Because if you're one-on-one and you've got a good tackler behind you and you're not that quick, you get the ball, you get tackled, or you're disposing of the ball under pressure, it's not giving your forwards any advantage. If you've, if you've got those first two steps mm. after after grabbing the pill off, out of a ruck contest or off the deck, and you can get that space to look up and get a kick away, you, you're going to be advantaged. Uh, very true. And so it is exciting to see. I know we um, we only talk about this team sport once a month, but it is exciting to see that the, the uh, game in some way, shape and form is, is kind of the way that we remember it being, which is rewarding everyone for on their merits, number one, but also giving everyone opportunity to, to play their role to the best of their ability without having five blokes in their way yeah. trying to trying to just crowd them and, and just really suffocate him, which um, coaches, unfortunately, brought that in in the mid-2000s and the game's been poorer for it. Now, Shark, you're done as a team sport athlete, but can you just take the listeners through your six-kilometre build-up and then we'll get into under, overrated, underrated. What do you this, mean six-kilometre This will be up? your first fun run since ever. Yeah. And we look forward to it. We will go live on our socials, mid-May, Great Ocean Road, Apollo Bay. Take the listeners for a real quick, please, of your... Of my program. Mm. So, I'm going to go... Before you get too deep into it, yeah, listeners, if you've ever listened to any of my stuff or if I've given you any programs, you've got my online programs, please, please listen to nothing he says. Just take it with a grain of salt. Whatever Sharky says, you do the opposite. Right. This is the how many weeks have I got till the run? It's five, five and a half. So Monday to Friday, come to runners. So that's what three runners, three running sessions on the treadmill, two S and C sessions. So I'm going to do that. I get about seven and a half k on the treadmill every session. I reckon that's all right. It's very good. Hopefully one of those you're pushing a bit harder than others. I haven't actually yeah, written him maybe. a plan because he refuses maybe. to take a plan off. So me. that's Monday to Friday. S- weekend, Saturday, Sunday, probably two bottles of wine, half a dozen beers across the weekend, nil exercise. And then I'll drive down to Apollo Bay. Accommodation sold out. So if it's good weather, I'll sleep in my swag. On the beach, if it's not good weather, I'll find a car park and I'll sleep in the car. And then I'll just get up in the morning and do the run and then hit the pub. Okay. So he has never done a fun run before. So this is going to be very interesting. Look, he's, he's in quite good condition. Um, I know we joke, but he's done no structure. I'm big on structure and I've making sure. I've got to run three minute Ks off that for at least one K. Uh, the chance of you running three minutes for the kilometre for the first K are uh, slim to none. What's the strategy? Am I best just to go flat stick no. and then hit the wall? Or am I best <laughs> to go real slow, 
warm up to it and then just like sprint the last bit. Well, usually we've got 16, 20-week plans where I can actually get you some form of knowledge about how you're going to go. But in this situation, I'd recommend you sit on five or six people and just really ease into the race. Let your body ease into it. See how we're feeling. Sit on a pace that's comfortably hard. Like you're not going to be exerting yourself too much, but you're certainly working. Try to let those five or six athletes take you into the race. At the halfway turnaround, it's a 3K turnaround, you can start to gently turn the screws and probably the last 1,500 I'd recommend for someone like yourself. So if you are like Shark and you're a first-timer, we have got stuff on runners.com. It's called the Kickstart, the Runners Kickstart. It's a beginner program. You can get on that. But um, Mick Sharky refuses to take any kind of educational structure and he just thumbs his nose at authority. So he's just going to run the 6K sight unseen just go and have a blowout and see how he goes is there any etiquette in running like if i'm running hard, if there's somebody there that i'm sort of not liking or they're throwing the elbow can you throw an elbow or can you sort of you know throw your weight around a little bit uh look it's not it's definitely not the done thing but if someone gives you one i've got no i would have no qualms in giving them one back but and where are we when it comes to tripping children uh certainly or not, not children but you know Younger people. Certainly not on. Certainly not on. You'd, you'd hope that you'd be the adult in that situation. Yeah, but if they're going past you and you can't keep up. You can... oh, you're going to have a lot of kids going past you, Shark. I'll just tell you now. So you can't trip them all. There'll be hundreds of kids under 15 going past you. What about, what's the etiquette around just getting jack of it halfway through and walking out? Um, it's not normally the done thing. But for someone like yourself, I'd say the chances are incredibly high that you will throw the toys out of the cot at about three and a half, four K and just say, listen, this pain is not worth it. My morale is down and I have been humiliated by about 140, 12 year olds. So I might just uh, pull the cue in the rack right here. Because it's going to be me and a lot of teenage kids, isn't it really? Like there are not many adults do the six K, do they? Lots of adults do the six K. Like, but they're morbidly obese. Hmm. Not, not that ridiculous statement. I've done the six to try to go very well. We've all done the six before to try to get a blowout. Mm, I think this is a setup. I'm going to get stitched up here. No, there's many of runners crew doing the six. I promise you that. Now the six is a good race because it's 11 a.m. in the morning, so you can get stuck into the quality oh, straight up there on the Saturday. I can have a few beers Friday night. We yes. move in. We move on Top for this beer. week's segment. Cross on before a run. Overrated, underrated. Overrated or underrated. Tommy, Ju- Tommy Jr. can put the things in. Yeah. <laughs> You're not supposed to say that. <laughs> I love I've it. got to sometimes lead him in. You might forget. Well, no, you do. You do. Chicken pies. Overrated. Now. Underrated. This is on the segment before of Mick Sharky's pies. You, you know, there's a pie in every town in, in the whole state of Victoria. What is your take on chicken pies? Now, there, now this is a sub- subject I'm quite passionate about, as you may have worked out. Chicken as a meat, right? And within within the the full casings of a pie, like for mine, a pie's going to have pie pastry at the bottom, pastry on the top. None of this in a little ceramic bowl sort of rubbish. That's not a pie, right? That's a casserole with a lid, okay? You can have a chicken casserole with a lid. I'll give you that. You cannot have chicken in a pie. It simply has no place in a pie. None. For that matter, any cream-based sauces that surround the meat within a pie into the sea. We don't want that. That is rubbish. No scallop pies, no emu pies, no crocodile pies, no chicken pies, no turkey pies. 
if you if you're talking game or foul, they do not belong in a pie. You can have lamb, you can have beef. Actually, it probably should end there, to be honest. With a proper gravy, your varietals are fine. Curry, pepper, steak, mushroom, onion, whatever floats your boat. Chicken, if you go to a bakery, I'd, I'd go as far as to say, if you go to a bakery with a friend and they order a chicken pie, leave without them. They, right. they, are no, they should no longer be spoken to or contacted anyway. This could be the first time I have to wind you up on an underrated segment. You cannot... It does the chicken and pot. It's like having Vegemite on a banana. They're both good, but you shouldn't have them together. Okay. That's a very stern, possibly the sternest underrated we've ever heard from Mick Shagan. Overrated, sorry. Overrated. Underwhelming, but overrated. Chicken pies. Because you do, lots of people eat chicken pies. Well, they're, they're flogs. I'll go neutral. If you're listening to this now and you're eating chicken pies, you're a flog. It doesn't bother me at all. The chicken pie. I'm not going to say it's underrated, but I I do have a couple of chicken pies a year. I'd say so. I am a flog in Mick Sharkey's yeah. vernacular, but I'm not that passionate. I'm not going to go on a four minute spiel about it. So I'll leave that to you. Running on grass, overrated, underrated. Well, I don't tend to do much running outside, so I'm not sure. If I was running from a wild animal, I would probably be running on grass, and I'd suggest it was. Well, overrated, yeah. No, underrated. If you're running on grass, you're either running from something or you're doing cross-country. And if you remember back to one of our early running jokes... What, there's a little game called Australian Rules, soccer, rugby... That yeah, but you've got boots. That's not really running. You, the running's kind of a byproduct are, of the are, rest of the sport. Uh, yeah. you, could play, you could play footy and you could pretend that you're not running, really. Because running, you're not really running. Are you you kind of are, but you're not. Do I need to remind you about GPS numbers of our midfielders in the yeah, game? Yeah, but you're stopping and start. It's not really running. That's you're right. not out there running. You're playing footy. When you hit a the top running speed is a byproduct of the football. An hour, that's called running. When they're hitting top speeds of 32k an hour, it's a byproduct look, of chasing a ball. Look, I, I think it's a great stimuli. I think running on grass is is fantastic at times. I think you. I think you are. Um, certainly shouldn't be doing it all the time, but I think it's a great stimuli. It definitely strengthens the legs up. And I think if you can run, if you've only got a grass track to run on, then you just run on it. Absolutely. Like if it's the if it's the only option, then you should do that. But I like all different um, surfaces. I think if if you can surround yourself with some dirt tracks, um, some asphalt, and some grass as well. Obviously, avoid concrete because the concrete's probably the the hardest service by a mile. So if you can do most of your miles on asphalt, grass, or We've got plenty of dirt trails around here that all our guys do our long runs on. So I'm still going to say it's underrated grass because I feel like people possibly don't use it enough. So I'll give grass a bit of a tick. But not muddy grass. And say underrated. Oh, I don't mind. Bowling green. Grass. has to be like a bowling Your pace green. will always be down on grass, but I think it strengthens you. And in, from a neuromuscular standpoint, I think it's very good. And some people also say it's better on the joints, but I think the uh, jury's out on that still. And I'm not going to go in and say that. Shark, not overrated, underrated. Uh, which city out of the six marathon majors, which you would not know, so I'm going to read them out now, which city would you like to visit? Just from a city's point of view, this is a question without notice. Six marathon majors, which we've had one, la one lady what have here, we got here? Uh, Mel Pizer do the marathon majors from runners, and I'm definitely a Really? All of them? Yes. Wow. A, a bucket list that I That's think pretty good. a lot of us distance runners want to do one day. Which city would you prefer to visit? London, 
Tokyo, Chicago, Boston, New York, or Berlin. Our listeners are welcome to hook up the Instagram and Facebook and answer this one as well. I've been to London. It's a pretty good joint. Uh, I don't want to run a marathon there. Tokyo, I haven't been to. Language barrier, but they've got good sushi. And apparently, love getting drunk. The, uh, The Japanese in Tokyo, love it. So I reckon I could... Know, cross some cultural boundaries there. Chicago's the windy city. Nah, not so fond of wind. Boston's good. New York is a cliche if you say New York. I don't know. Berlin's just got a wall and half it's knocked down. So I'll probably avoid that. I'd say it'd be a toss of the coin between Tokyo and Boston. Very good. Um, I thought I was going to get a 30 second critique on each city there at one stage. I thought, how long is this answer going to take? Um, my answer, look, I'm definitely running based. So mine definitely is always going to be Boston. Boston Marathon is so prestigious and so, so steeped in history and just the city itself steeped in history. So I'll say Boston. I do like the idea of having a a good session on the, on the grog in Tokyo though, but yeah. uh, And I've never been to London. I've been around the States, never been to London, but I'm definitely going to say Boston for mine. And you could catch some good sport. It's in April. So what do we got on there? NBA. It's in three weeks, listeners. NBA and some ice hockey. No. Yes, ice hockey and the baseball. So that Monday night, uh, Boston time, which is Patriots Day, they go to Fenway Park across the road and watch the Boston Red Sox play. So you can make a bit of a trip of it. Sounds good to me. Oh, I can't imagine you ever running a marathon ever. No. It is that time of the week again. I don't drive that far. Our producer, Tommy Senior, hates this time. We give him so much extra work. He is a very, 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 very understanding human. But even he gets angry at Shark's running joke. It's the running joke. Now, Tommy did warn me. He said, no more jokes that I have to beep out. He said, I've beeped it. I've worn out the beep sound effect on the computer, so no more jokes. So I'll, I'll give him one week with a, a normal joke. So this is a, it's a crap joke, but you know this is for Tommy. You know he said no more. <laughs> don't, stop being rude, he said. Are you unable? Are you that intellectually? I don't know. Cannot give us something with humour without being I'm ridiculously reading, in the gutter. I'm reading off the website www dot jokesforus.com under running jokes jogging jokes so this is not my handiwork this is from a website you can't right. find something that's funny without being oh, so this, rude. they're pretty bad the, right. the best ones are the best ones are uh, they're right. pretty dodgy Let's anyway hear it. Usain Bolt Olympic champion fastest man alive was on his way to a nightclub with some friends he gets to the door and the bouncer looks him up and down and says sorry mate no denim tonight and he said are you serious looks around he says do you know who i am i'm usain bolt and the bouncer says well it won't take you long usain to run home and get changed will it <laughs> Actually, don't mind that that's not too bad um, i think he made that one up listeners now and then usain said you i'm not coming into your nightclub I'm going somewhere else. It's three beeps. Three beeps there for TJ. He, got, he had to get in. Now, you saying Bolt just quietly in a nightclub 
would absolutely dominate. Imagine Usain Bolt in a nightclub after dark. Why did he come to Australia and go to Newcastle? Have you been to a nightclub in Newcastle? It's like yeah. they've, they've been inbreeding there for 20 years. Could he um, have picked a better place? I'm very, I apologise to our Nova Castrians again. That's another group of people that Sharky's offended. We are on our way out of this episode, thank Christ, because Sharky's lost the plot. But Usain Bolt, I kind of tend to agree uh, with Mick. Usain, you were here for six months, brother. You could have come to Melbourne, Sydney. Could have gone early beach. Could have come to Morty Alec and played soccer down here. I would have looked after you. You would have absolutely dominated in Australia, Usain. But possibly Newcastle, not the event for the nightlife that would have been to your liking, brother. Now, listeners, we've got a couple of very good guests. You heard Dr. Peter Maliaris last week. We've got Professor Dawson Kidgel on our next Coach's ah, Corner. The Kidge. He is a guru, and you wait till you hear him talk about strength and power and neuromuscular stuff in general. He is a guru, and I tell you what, he uses a lot of big words. That's Dawson. And then after that, Tim Wallace, who's a... Look, at one stage in the early 2000s, was in the top 10 cross-country runners in the country. So we can't wait for Tim Wallace to and get on. And little-known fact, released a number four single in Finland as a younger man. This has been Runners Radio. Listeners, please do something today that will make you better tomorrow. Hopefully we've entertained you. I don't think that's going to make you better tomorrow, but please you go and do something today that's going to make you better tomorrow. Hook back in for the next episode of The Coach's Corner with Professor Dawson Kidgel. That will make you better tomorrow. Be kind always.